tonight on Special Edition. 74-year-old woman becomes the latest victim of the Grenfell Tower fire and two others are in court for fraudulently claiming assistance. Also, the details of the funeral for Matthew Levison. Hi, I'm your host Cambo. Grab a beer and pull up a deck chair. This is True Crime Island Special Edition. Okay, first up are a couple of stories on the Grenfell Tower fire. And that's courtesy of Get West London, The Daily Mail, BBC and The Guardian. They were suggested by Debbie and thank you very much. Now first, the, f- the sad news of another victim passing. A woman rescued from the 19th floor of Grenfell Tower has died after spending seven months fighting for her life in hospital with severe burns. Maria Del Pilar Pilar Burton, 74, known as Pilly, had been in hospital ever since her home was destroyed by the fire last June, killing her beagle and 71 of her neighbours. She suffered from a debilitating long-term illness prior to the disaster and required specialist care. Her husband, Nicholas Burton, 50, who had lived in the tower for 33 years, said she died on January the 29th. Now, the cause of her death has not been disclosed. In an interview in July, Mr Burton told how he lost his wife in the chaos as they were rescued by firefighters at around 3.30am. He'd been unable to carry his wife down 38 flights of stairs because her long-term health conditions left her unable to walk. They had taken advice to stay in the flat until help arrived, and uh, that advice trapped a lot of people. Anyway, let's go on. Recalling the horror, he told the standard, I grabbed my wife by the waist as we ran, but I lost her and started screaming, where's my wife? Someone yelled, we've got her. An officer had my arm in a tight grip, and as we got into the stairwell, he was shouting, let's go, let's go. My eyes were open, but I couldn't see a thing. I was stepping on things which I later realised were probably bodies. He kept shouting, You can do it. Nearly there. You can make it. Over and over. My throat was burning. I stuffed the wet towel in my mouth and tried to breathe through it. I was holding the banister for balance, but as we descended, it got hotter and hotter until I had to let go. The fire officer was still shouting encouragement. Not far now, you're going to make it. But I began to fade. I thought, oh my days, this is it. 
I can't breathe. My legs are going. I started to pass out. I heard the words nearly there, but I was barely conscious. And then I don't know what happened, but next thing we came into the light and I was bent over, sucking oxygen into my lungs, convulsing, coughing up soot. Mr. Burton reached reached the foyer of the burning tower where he insisted on waiting for his wife. After waiting for what seemed like an eternity, he saw her being carried by four firefighters. Apart from her t-shirt, all her clothes had been cut off. There was no life in her. I thought she was dead. I was crying and in shock. A nurse eventually brought her over and they were reunited. We sat and held each other and cried. She was very weak. Mr Burton was given an oxygen mask while his wife was taken to the Royal Free in Hampstead. Sadly, she never recovered from her injuries and died on the 29th of January. Paying tribute to his beautiful wife, Mr Burton said, Pilly was well known in our community. She was what people called a real character. A character in the best sense of the word. She was flamboyant, colourful, passionate and friendly. Everyone on Portobello knew her and when we went to the market on the weekends, she would stop and chat all the way along. She had such a big heart. We were together for 34 years. She was the love of my life. On the night of the fire, we were rescued together from the 19th floor of Grenfell Tower. I would like to ask for privacy at this time as I lay my wife to rest this week. The Metropolitan Police said in a statement, the MPS was informed of the death of Maria del Pilar Burton, a former resident of Grenfell Tower. Our thoughts are with her family at this difficult time. Whilst there's no evidence to link Mrs Burton's death to the fire, the full circumstances were referred to the coroner. That's such a sad story for that uh, tragedy at Grenfell Tower. Now, when we have such a tragedy, there is always people willing to give. But then, when there's people willing to give... There's also people willing to take what's not rightly theirs. So we've got a couple of people who've been in the paper lately and they've been charged with fraud and uh, one of them has already gone to court. So let's get on to this. Okay. A woman who falsely claimed her husband died in the Grenfell Tower fire claiming £10,000 in funds allocated for survivors has appeared in court. Grenville Tower fire fraudster Joyce Mazikery claimed cash, hotel accommodation, taxi fares and had a room full of donated clothes. Joyce Mazikery feigned trauma convincingly in the wake of the deadly inferno, telling authorities she had lost her husband despite being single and living miles away. The 47-year-old is charged with fraudulently claiming cash intended to support those left destitute by the tragedy, as well as a hotel room at the Hilton, food and clothing. 
On the day after the fire, June 15, 2017, the defendant pretended to be her sister and reported herself missing to police. She then visited the heart of the relief effort at the Westway Centre, where she allegedly claimed to have survived the fire, which left 71 dead, which we now know is 72. But just hours earlier, she'd been on the phone to Sky TV, complaining about her Sky TV service. Prosecutor David Jeremy QC told jurors at the start of her trial at Southwark Crown Court, Miss Mazzuccheri was able to carry out this deceit because she was a very good actress, and I dare say she still is a very good actress. She feigned trauma convincingly. She was good with people. She was able to relate to them so that they trusted her and she could manipulate them. At the time of the fire, Miss Mazzuccheri was miles away in her home in Sutton. Money, a Hilton hotel room and a free taxi service was provided to her in the days following the disaster, along with a dedicated social worker and personal police family liaison officers. The prosecutor continued, She was allowed access to the clothes and other goods that had been provided by well-wishers and businesses. In fact, she she helped herself to so many of the clothes, many of them new that were offered to the victims, that her room at the Hilton became full to bursting. She acquired much more than she would ever need herself, and she had to keep a pile of suitcases full of more stuff in the Hilton's concierge room. She took the opportunity to, to grab as much as she could. The defendant had first visited the Westway Centre shortly before 4pm on June 15, aware that the huge outpouring of support there was ripe for exploitation. She appeared disoriented and badly traumatised and was treated as such. Phone records from a mobile found in her possession showed she also rang the Metropolitan Police's missing person hotline on June 15, posing as her sister Gloria. She, she reported that Joy was missing in the fire as part of a calculated plan to profit from the tragedy, Mr Jeremy said. It's alleged she also attempted to cash in on her fictitious husband's death by convincing a volunteer to lie to police and say she knew the couple before the fire. The volunteer eventually admitted her dishonesty and Miss Mazurkiri was arrested on July 25, but then attempted to continue the con, coercing a vulnerable man into pretending he was her husband. She was arrested a total of three times after twice breaching bail conditions, the final time on September 4. On Wednesday, February 28, she appeared in court while sitting in a wheelchair. And the trial continues.
Now, amazing how the hotel didn't say anything, but maybe they were a little bit scared they would get publicity for victim bashing. I don't know. What is wrong with these people, really? Okay, to another fraudster. He's just got himself a prison term. Now, fraudster who claimed family died in Grenfell Tower, jailed for 21 months. And Nguyen claimed £12,500 after pretending wife and son were killed in fire. A serial fraudster has been jailed for 21 months after he pretended his wife and son were killed in the Grenfell Tower fire in a despicable attempt to pocket £12,500 set aside for victims of the disaster. Noyan was pictured beside Prince Charles and gave TV interviews posing as a survivor of the disaster, in which 72 people died. He did not live there, but he had an address in south-east London. Noyan's defence barrister, Kaima Payton, said a psychological report had found he had an astonishingly low IQ was suffering from depression and acted out of a desire to feel part of a group. Sentencing Noyan on Friday, the judge, Philip Bartle QC, told him, the offences to which you have pleaded guilty are ones which you committed knowing full well what the consequences were. I do not accept that the facts were in some way an attempt to be part of a community and that you were in some way reaching out in order to be embraced by that community. I am sure from everything I have seen, that despite your low IQ, you knew full well what you were doing. You knew that you were taking advantage of these genuine victims at this terrible time of this terrible tragedy. Noyan had claimed his wife and son died and posed as a victim for nearly two weeks, picking up around £12,500 from charities and Kensington and Chelsea Council. The 52-year-old did plead guilty at Southwark Crown Court to two counts of fraud by false representation and one count of making an untrue statement for the purpose of obtaining a passport. Noyan, a British citizen born in Vietnam, was given a hotel room, clothing, food, electrical items and money. He was found to be lying when he gave several different flat numbers, some of which did not exist and one where a real victim lived. He had 28 previous convictions for 56 offences spanning more than 30 years, including theft, dishonesty, arson and grievous bodily harm. Noyan, who has lived in the UK since the 80s, had 17 aliases. Four days after the fire last June, he had visited the Westway Sports Centre in North Kensington, where volunteers were helping survivors and setting up a refuge and told people he lived in the block and that his family had died in the fire. Charlotte Lomas, 
A Sky News correspondent interviewed Noyan on camera in the Holiday Inn room he had duped authorities into providing. Charlotte 35, part of Sky News' regular team covering the fallout of the disaster, said the hotel room was crowded with boxes of donations given to him by charities, including shoes, clothes and medication. Noyan gave her a detailed story of how he fled the tower, tripping over bodies and leaving behind his wife and son. It's quite unnerving, Charlotte said. I didn't think anyone would abuse that situation. I felt quite violated. I spoke to some of the volunteers and they felt the same. They were there trying to help people and someone has come in and abused them like that. It makes you question everything. The interview had not aired before it emerged Noyan was a serial con man and it was played in court at his sentencing. His answers were very elaborate about how he was working as a chef in a Chinese restaurant in Soho. He got back late that night. His son and his wife were asleep. Noyan told her he could feel the fire and started to rip up towels and blankets, put them in cold water and place them against the door. He then described deciding to leave with his wife and son, stepping over bodies as the family descended the stairs. When he reached the 11th floor, he said, his wife and son were no longer with him. Charlotte said, I asked, you turned around and couldn't see them. And Noyan said, no, I had lost them. I couldn't believe it. It was so shocking. Charlotte presumed Noyan had been told his wife and son had been identified and he was distraught, but then discovered he'd got arrested for fraud. Some people are just scum, but this guy is just a fucking muppet. Now, one interesting story from The Sun. A survivor of the Grenfell Tower fire is facing jail after investigators found the remains of his cannabis oil factory in the wreck of the building. Eamon Zada, 35, was arrested after officers combing the burnt-out tower three weeks after the deadly blaze found a store of cannabis cuttings butane gas canisters and an oven in his flat. Zara, who is currently being housed at the Radisson Blue Hotel in Portman Square, Marylebone, had produced enough cannabis oil to last one user 140 days. On Wednesday, Zara pleaded guilty to one count of being concerned in the supply of cannabis on or before July 4th last year. The Grenfell Tower, as you know, caught fire on the 14th of June last year, killing 72 people, including an unborn child, and leaving hundreds of others homeless. Ahead of the hearing, lawyers for Zada asked for him to be granted an anonymity for fear the presence of butane canisters could be linked to the blaze and make him the target of violence. The court heard... Zada is a core participant in the Grenfell Inquiry 
and that meetings have frequently been interrupted by angry protesters. Judge Tan Ikram refused the application, saying, Much may be said during the inquiry and at meetings, but that's not enough for this court to resile from the principle of open justice. Prosecutor Maxine Channa McDaniel told the court, On July 4th, 2017, firefighters entered Grenville Tower. A number of items were found at a flat believed to be used in the production of cannabis, lights that related to the growing of cannabis, and various other items. A number of butane gas canisters meant a more thorough search was conducted on July 6, during which a number of items were seized from the property. She said, The cannabis had been stored in the second bedroom, while an oven had been found in the living room and the gas canisters were stored in the kitchen. She continued, The amount of cannabis is described as cannabis trim. Of that there was 14 kilos, as well as 700 grams of oil. When he was interviewed, Mr Zada said he was a regular user of cannabis since the age of 12 and that normal cannabis flour had limited effect. He said he had not purchased the trim because it was was of no commercial value and had used it to extract the oil. Zada told officers that he used 5 to 6 grams of oil per day and thereafter refused to make any comment. Judge Ikram adjourned Zada's sentence until March the 6th. Well, 14 kilograms of cannabis trim. Now, that's obviously the low-grade offcuts, but what a way to get busted. Finally, Mark and Faye Levison. They were awarded a Pride of Australia medal last week. Now, the Pride of Australia awards honour ordinary Australians thrust by fate into life and death situations, police officers, volunteer firefighters, children who have displayed courage beyond their years, those who have raised, raised untold thousands for charity, and selfless individuals who have spent their lives in the service of others and the protection of animals. Inspired by the Liberty Medal established by the New York Post in the wake of September 11 attacks, Pride of Australia championed by the Daily Telegraph, and you can go there to read the full story, so championed by the Daily Telegraph, underpins the notion there is no greater measure of a society's strength than its ability to recognise, learn from and reward its true heroes. The Levisons were awarded the medal for their extraordinary efforts in driving a police cold case investigation into their son's death and reopening of a coronial inquest which eventually resulted in Matthew's remains being found. The funeral for Matthew Levison is scheduled this coming week. Mark Levison tweeted, Maddie's funeral service is now arranged. Wow, after all this time, we can give him the service he deserves. The funeral service will be held at Warrenora Chapels in Linden Street, Sutherland, on Friday the 9th of March 2018 at 2pm. At the family's request, please wear bright colours or a splash of Maddie's favourite colour, purple. 
So that's about it for tonight's show. True Crime Island, as you know, is a listener-supported show and is commercial-free for all. I would like to thank the newest Patreons to the island, Siobhan, Scarron, Stephanie, Sharon, Sharon, Tracy, Margaret, and Quinn Marie for their support. Thank you very much. If you want to become a patron of the island, just go to patreon.com forward slash truecrimeisland, where for as little as a dollar a month you can become a patron. All funds go directly back to the island. You can also do a one-off payment via PayPal, and that you can do by typing paypal.me forward slash truecrimeisland. And I would love to thank Amber who just did this. Thank you very much. If you want stickers for koozies, you need to email me directly. My email is cambo at truecrimeisland.com and I can price it up for you according to postage. I have a few can, I think eight can coolers left and about 30 bottle ones, so be quick. All other merch such as t-shirts, hoodies, tote bags, mugs of rage and all that stuff is via the shop at truecrimeisland.threadless.com. All links to everything is on my website, truecrimeisland.com. Again, you don't have to spend money to support the show. You can rate, review and share the love. The more people who know about the show, the better. If people don't know what a podcast is, then show them the way. Join the Facebook group, just search for True Crime Island and join in the chat. Don't forget to check out Twitter and Instagram. The island handle is True Crime at True Crime Island. You can join in the chat and there's so many other podcasts you'll find on there as well. And hi to all the followers. Again, I want to remind you that True Crime Island is entered into the Australian Podcast Awards and you can vote for the island in the popular vote category. If everyone that listens votes for the island and it is your island, I will get the opportunity to yell Boomfagalanga to the world. So go to australianpodcastawards.com, go to the popular vote link, and vote for the island. Your island, as it's you, the listeners, that make this island what it is. Guess what? I have a promo this week for my podcaster friends from Murder Mile. If you haven't heard this podcast, do yourself a favour and search for it on iTunes and your favourite podcatcher. Well, that's about it for tonight. So, this has been Cambo, and you've been listening to True Crime Island. And as I always say, don't forget to delete your browser history. Good night. Welcome to the Murder Mile True Crime Podcast. My name is Michael, and each week I shall take you on a guided walk of hundreds of untold, unsolved, and long-forgotten murders, all set within one square mile. Proving that, if you dig deep enough, you'll find that on every street, in every city, there's a killer on every corner, death on every doorstep, and homicide in every home. 
Murder Mile is investigated using original police files and eyewitness testimony, with authentic sounds recorded at the murder location itself, and is accompanied by photos, videos and maps to make you feel like you're actually there. A new episode of the Murder Mile True Crime Podcast is released every Thursday on almost every podcast platform. Thank you. Enjoy your day.